Hey there, this is Dennis Anyone with Dennis Hensley. It's a podcast about making things up and making things happen. Creative people, how they do it, how they hang in there, how they keep it going. That's what I love to talk about. And this week, my guest is Philip Mershon. He's the man behind the Felix in Hollywood tours. And he gives walking tours of Hollywood, uh, specifically the very, very beginnings of Hollywood, where the studios first sort of popped up down this one stretch of Sunset Boulevard. I learned so much. Uh, I did the tour a couple days ago, and then right afterwards we did the interview. If you come to L.A., you should definitely check it out. It's really unique and uh, has sort of uh, stayed with me. Lots of things that I learned and, and stuff like that. And if you live in L.A., you should definitely do it because you'll learn all kinds of things about places that you drive by all the time. So before we get to that, though, I want to encourage you to check out DennisAnyone.net. There I post pictures that go with some of the podcasts. You can donate to my virtual tip jar and help me pay for things like parking and web hosting and the expenses that come with the podcast. Uh, you can also order your own copy of the Observation Deck for 25 bucks. Uh, there's two different styles of uh, cards, and I just had somebody order today. So thank you for that. It's very cool. Um, I would also encourage you to like the Dennis Anyone Facebook page. That's cool. And I also have a Patreon group where once a month or so I post a special exclusive episode and you can get it for as little as a dollar an episode. And I'm about to post a new one um, from Palm Springs where me and some of my my uh, friends take on some new questions for the observation deck. There's lots of funny stuff in there. Um, I loved it. All right. That's enough promo stuff. Um, without any further ado, here is Philip Rashawn. Hey there, I'm coming to you from the Hollywood home of our guest today, Philip Mershon. He is the founder of Felix and Hollywood Tours, and we just did a wonderful tour right here in Hollywood. I learned so much. Thank you for that, by the way. Thank you for doing that. That oh, was really cool. It's my great pleasure. Well, and I, I think there were supposed to be some other people on it. Yeah, and you know what? It wound up being just you and me. And it was a one-man show. It was just fine, and it is It is kind of a one-man show. Yeah. I'm, I'm a little pooped after one, actually. How many do you do a day on the well, busiest he, days? No, here's the thing. I, I cheat. Okay. I totally cheat. I offer one... Monday through Thursday, I offer one every single day. Right. Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, I offer a 1 p.m. and a 4 p.m. But I am kind of... When I first started, there were a couple times when I had doubles, and by the end of it, I, like, had to take to the bed. Yeah. You know? Well, and, also your voice, too. Yeah. And so what I do is if people buy a ticket for the 1 p.m., I cancel the 4 p.m. Got it. If people buy it for the 4, I cancel the 1. There you go. So I only ever do one a day. Yeah. What gave you the idea initially to do this? You know what? I, I feel like for those of us who know the history of the entertainment industry, the onus is on us to keep repeating these stories or they're going to get forgotten. Right. Unfortunately, we live in a city, Los Angeles, that just loves to kill its history. Yeah. And every time you turn around, there's another building of great historical import that's being torn down for another soulless glass tower. Right. And so I feel like it, it's almost, I'm almost honor bound because I have researched and studied old Hollywood for decades. Right. That I have to do something with it or else I'm a real schlub. Yeah. Know, and I'm, and I'm turning my back on what it is I'm supposed to be doing. So I, you feel like it's calling. Yeah, I do. And, and so, um, you know, about eight years ago, I finally decided, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to, 
I'm going to take that old "do what you love and the money will follow." Yeah, and, and, gonna, and really give it a good, I'm gonna give it a good a workout. Yeah, I'm going to do a scientific <laughs> test. And, yeah, and I'll be honest with you, I was totally flat broke. I borrowed $150 from a friend to set up a website saying, I'm giving tours, please buy a ticket. Right. Uh, And I'll be honest with you, the money hasn't followed. Yeah. I have never earned less money in my entire life. Right. But I've also never been happier. Interesting. Because I get to meet... You know, new people every day. I'm the good news in their day because I'm going to tell them stories about a glamorous time of past. Yeah. You know, and I get to meet new people every day. I get to keep this history alive. And I feel like in terms of an historical resource, for the first time in my life, I'm doing something that matters. That's awesome. And your tour is interesting because what you're getting is the information. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of the things that you talk about the buildings are still there, but they're not like, it's not like you're getting, it's not like there's a photo op on every stop. Yeah. It's, it's for people that like to learn things. Well, exactly. It, it is, it's a bit of a headier yeah. tour. It's not a, you know, it's certainly not a, and behind this security wall is, and behind that security wall is. Yeah. It's a walking tour for starters. Uh, it's about two hours. And as, as I said to you at the beginning of the tour, that it is about the, the first 100 years of the entertainment industry right. in Hollywood. And I, I just happened to have isolated a tour route where just about damn near everything went down. Yeah. What, what, where would you, how would you describe that stretch? Like, uh, we, we met up at Sunset and Vine. Uh, we met up at Sunset and Vine, and uh, we walked a total of a mile. Right. But we did two sides of a yeah. street. So we only really covered a half a mile right. of a street, and any more than that, I'm not going to say because you people have to just come and take the tour. Exactly. Well, one thing I thought was interesting are, in an overall way, are a lot of big names that I've heard of are not things that I associate with this neighborhood. Right. There are right. things that started here and then ended up other places, and I was of like, course. "Wow, that is so interesting." Of course. Uh, yeah. You know, and we and we didn't talk about you know one we didn't really talk about that on the tour. You know, Hollywood get. The geographical area of Hollywood really does get its name for a reason. All the studios did initially start there. But, you know, decentralization happened very, very early because yeah. suddenly suddenly there were a bunch of movie studios. Land became at a premium, and Hollywood can only get so big. I mean, those damn hills are there. Right. And uh, land became at a premium, and the, the prices went through the roof. So people started to decentralized to the valley and to Culver City and to other places. Uh, right. To the point where uh, today Paramount Pictures is the only major film studio left in the geographical area that we call Hollywood. That's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. Wow. So when you decided to start this, how did you start your research? Or how did you decide, okay, this is what I'm going to do, these areas, these stories? How did you put it together? Okay, so it literally, I mean, it, all right, here's what happened. You, you really want the truth? Yeah, on this? Okay. for right. sure. All right, here's what happened. I have been researching this stuff forever and ever. And mind you, I live about two blocks from one side of my tour route. Right. So this is my neighborhood as well. Exactly. And so it's, not only is it my love of old Hollywood, which started as a child, but also it's my neighborhood, you know, right. and I like to know about it. And so I've been, I'd been researching this stuff forever. I was aware 
that uh, a company had bought uh, a studio on Sunset and Gower, and they had just bought another studio on Sunset and Bronson, and this was in 2008. Right. And so I literally sat down boldly and got a contact name of a VP at the time of one of these places. Right. And I sent him an email saying, you know, to congratulate him on the second acquisition and that he had, as far as I was concerned, the two most historically rich properties on the planet. Wow. And, And that I would love to actually give on lot historical tours. Right, so you sort of pitched yourself. So I pitched myself to him. Uh, Twelve minutes later, my phone rang. Boom. And they, he was like, can you come in tomorrow for a meeting? Yeah. So I went in, again, 2008, summertime, about this time uh, in 2008. I go in the next several months is an onslaught of meetings they love me they love the idea they love the concept they love me we're in meetings we're sorting it out we're nailing it down we're figuring it out october 2008 <laughs> happened the market crashed the, my phone stopped ringing and oh my I, god and i never so heard many from other them again. creative types have told that same story with those same words yeah, i never heard from them again and i wasn't able to get them on the phone yeah and it broke my heart because I was so excited and I thought, this is my gift. This is what I have to offer. Yeah. And I'm so excited and I had really pinned everything on it. Right. And because I was already sort of at the end of a 20-year-long wardrobe career. Yeah. You were working in and, wardrobe on shows and stuff. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I mean, let's face it. I've just become, I'm a man of a certain age and I'm not as inclined to stand for 16-hour days on right. concrete soundstage floors anymore. Right. So you'd, like, ra- like, you'd rather walk for two hours a day on concrete streets. Yeah. Let the kids do that. <laughs> so, um, so I was I was really devastated, and I really sat for two years and licked my wounds, and I got like a part time job and all yeah. this stuff, and and I was making like next to nothing. And so one day I was sitting in this room, yeah. with a guy who was a handyman that worked on works on these little houses, right? And we were sitting talking after he had finished fixing something, and I told him my tale of woe about two years before in the studios, right. and he said, "Listen." And again, like I said, I'm flat broke at this point. Right. He said, "Listen, do you have a um, do you have internet?" And I said, "Yes." And he said, "Do you have a PayPal account?" I said, "Yes." And he said, "You're ready to start giving tours." And I was like, "What are you talking about?" Yeah. He said, "Screw them. You don't need to get on their lots. There's a sidewalk that runs in front of it." Right. You just go onto Craigslist and post an ad that says, I'm giving a tour, please come and take one. If no one ever takes you up on it, it was free, the, the Craigslist ad. Right. If one person buys a ticket, that's grocery money. Yeah. And literally the light went off and I thought, oh my God, I'm ready right. to start giving tours. And I walked up to the corner of Selma and Vine and I walked to the tour route and the script wrote itself in my head and within... I started to fine-tune it and do some additional research, and within two weeks, I gave my first friends and family, how do you think this is, do you think this will work, tour. I gave about a month of those, and then I opened the doors. Fantastic. And that's how that happened. That's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. You went for it. I went for it. Um, Where did you, because throughout the tour... On different spots, you'll show us photos. Yes. Where Where was your research when you went to go? Okay, I need to. I have all my own knowledge, but I need to sort of you know what? supplement that. Where do you go? 
I always tell people if they ever start a Hollywood history anonymous, right. I'm going to need a chair in that room. <laughs> you could you could lead it because it is it's an addition. It's an You're addiction obsessed. and it never ends. I mean, to this day, the more I know, the less satisfied I am, and the more I feel I need to know. Yeah. And to this day, every spare moment that I have. It's either with a book in front of me or on the internet or at a library, and the research just never ends. Yeah. And, and, and actually, eight years ago, had you taken the tour, it's quite different than it is today because I've learned more right. over the eight years. Yeah. Um, you know, so it just, it never ends, and it's mostly, and, and you know, you can't even, you can't even not read the books you don't think you want to read. Right. Because I... Because even if there's one nugget in there, I talk. Yeah, I talk about. Let's say I talk about one particular uh, film studio, right? Right. Um, and I f- have found some of the best information about that studio by reading the biography of an actor who was never signed to that studio, right? But she apparently went to visit a friend who worked on that studio. So coming from her home studio, o- outside she had a point whole, of view, yeah, yeah, and she wrote a whole chapter about what she saw that day right. visiting there and how that studio worked as opposed to the way hers worked. And it was invaluable. Yeah. And I never wanted to read her book. Yeah. But I'm so glad I did. Right. You know you, know you, can't, you can't just shun something because there yeah. might be something in there. Yeah. Um, do you have any favorite characters, either that you mentioned on the tour or that you don't? Are there people in Hollywood that really fascinate you? Uh, I don't know if fascinate is the word or, you know, I always, my, my business cards. Yeah have a 30s character actor named Franklin Pangborn okay. on the front, which, first of all, might be the best name ever in the history of Hollywood. Yeah, it's... A, it's... Uh, second of all, I just... You know what? I love him because he insisted on a place at the table. He was a rather effeminate gay man. Right. And that was the character. And he played that character in every movie right. he ever did. And he was normally the, you know, the fussy uh, department store floor walker right. or bank teller or something like that who just wanted things to go right and they were never going right and it was always unnerving him. Right. And so when Franklin shows up in a picture, you go, oh, that that guy's... I know what he's going to yeah, do. Yeah. yeah. We get that character in this movie. Right. You know. And God bless him. I, I I just adore that there was a guy called Franklin Pangborn right. who worked steadily from the end of the silent era yeah. all the way up to the day he died in the 50s. He cornered the market on the fussy gay. Well, he didn't even corner the market. There were a few <laughs> others. But, you know, he's just one. And, and yeah. he's, and, but he's got the best name. That's Yeah, sure. that's a really good name. So, yeah. Uh, I would say Franklin is. I love that. Where did you come up with the name Felix in Hollywood Tours? Oh, God. You want that boring story? Yeah, I'm sure. curious. Okay. All right. Um, 20 years ago, I met who would become my best friend and remains my best friend to this day, uh, a guy uh, who was called Chad Allen, who was at the end of, coming to the end of a very successful childhood and yeah, young adult the actor. Career. Yeah, yeah, I've met him. Um, and I met Chad during an unfortunate period in his life where no one he knew was allowed to be called by their own names. We all had to have nicknames that he gave us. Okay. Right? And so we had known each other for a couple months. A bunch of us got together to go out to the movies, and I was wearing a piece of clothing with Felix the Cat on it. Right. And he looked at it and he went, Felix, that's a great name for you. Felix, that's your name. Right. I asked him to stop. 
He refused. And at the time, I mean, he was still acting. I was doing wardrobe. We would go to parties where there were producers who might hire me. Right. He would introduce me as Felix. Right. And I'd be like, would you fucking stop this? And he liked having the other names for somebody because of where he was at that point in his career? It's just where he... It's just part of his... Smart alecky personality. Right, right, right. It wasn't like something he no, was no, doing. No, he, he just liked to do that. He just like I have. I have friends that do that. Um, that give each other nicknames. Yeah, yeah. And so finally, a couple months in, when he wouldn't stop, I decided went in Rome and I started calling him Felix. Okay. And all these years later, we are Felix and Felix to each other. I love that. And in 2008, again, I started a Hollywood history blog, and I discovered that Felix in Hollywood was the name of a. 1923 Silent Felix the Cat cartoon, and I thought, what a great name for the blog. Perfect. And the blog got popular, so that when I announced the tour at the end of 2010, it was the only place I could advertise for free, Yeah. so the, the name got rolled over to the tour. Perfect. And that's that. That's not even a boring story. I think that's an interesting story. Um, where do you find your people? Where do you... How do people find this tour? How do they find you? I am for... Because I don't have one thin dime to do marketing or advertising. Right. I am fortunate in that I've hit onto a niche that a certain group of people are really looking for, and they are so satisfied with the experience that they talk about it. And right. And they talk about it, and they talk about it, and a lot of it is word of mouth. A lot of it is, uh, I have a five-star rating on TripAdvisor. I have right. a five-star rating on Yelp. I've been, um, I've been in uh, several different um, airline magazines. Uh, to this day, I still get a lot of uh, business from six years ago. A, a, a guy from um, Time Out Los Angeles came and took the tour and did a review on it. Nice. And I still, because it's in, if you go to... Like Hollywood tours on Time Out Los Angeles, yeah. uh, the top five. I'm one of them, and I'm the only one that is an editor's pick. That's so awesome. I, I still get lots of business from yeah. that because people really look at Time Out when they go traveling. Yeah, is social media a part of what you do? I because I'm I've started Felix one and business Hollywood and I'm tours. about to launch the game, and I'm not. It's Felix, one of my struggle parts. Felix and Hollywood Tours has a Facebook page. Yeah, uh, every single day without fail, I post an old photo that I caption. At this point, there's over 3,000 in the archives. That's so amazing. You don't even have to be on Facebook. It's a, it's a public page, so just go to the Felix and Hollywood Facebook page and look yeah. at pictures. I love it. Um, <coughs> excuse me, because I don't do it for my health. I do it for you guys. That's right. Um, and as far as the rest of, this, of the, the media, I, no, I haven't done it. I, uh, that's that's a, really good, though, that you're consistent, because I think that's the biggest thing. I'm a gentleman key. of a certain age, yeah. and... You know, I, I would be just as happy not to do social media yeah. at all, but I'll give in to one. Yeah, that's all that's you're going to get out of me. But you're consistent, and I think yeah. that's important. There is no Instagram. I love there it. There is no Twitter. There is yeah. none of that. Now, one of the buildings that is on your tour was like the first We're not talking kind of about Hollywood event that I, that I went to. Oh, really? Yeah, I have a story about one of the buildings. Oh, okay. I, won't, I don't have to say which one. But there was this organ. I was in college in Arizona State University, and there was this thing called Faces International. And it was like they would. They would expose you to all kinds of casting people if you were actors or whatever. Oh, my but God. But you paid to be in it. Right. So big. And my roommate and I at the time paid to be in it. Of course. And my, my um, picture was tiny. He paid a little bit more and his picture was bigger. I had actually taken his picture. Um, it was a weird time. But anyway, they had the big party at, at one of these buildings. And um, it was so weird that I thought that 
taking a, my picture and being in that thing was somehow going to... Right. Well, well, the you, phone's going to start ringing. The funny thing is, the phone did ring for my roommate. Uh, a little bit. Like, he had, like, one or two things. But you, it, it you, was a weird time. I mean, you do. you Because th- if you're green and you don't know any yeah. better, it's like, well, why else would all these, like, modeling schools right. survive? And, we weren't living here, money. either. We were in Arizona. Yeah. So, so anyway... That's so funny. Yeah, the oh, big I'm party so was sorry there. Sorry that you got rooked in by that. It's all right. It was it was an adventure. But, we got to come know, to California. Yeah, exactly. We went to a Koala Blue, the Olivia Newton John oh store. Oh my god! I remember yeah. that. I remember yeah, that yeah. very well. Um, it's so fun. Um, when when did you first start uh, falling in love with movies? From the er- the earliest time you I remember? grew up a military brat, right? And so. Um, as particularly during elementary school, we yeah. moved around constantly, and not to glamorous places, I might add. My dad did that before I was born. Yeah. I got New Jersey, upstate New York, Duluth, Minnesota, right. places like that. Second grade, I went to uh, three different schools in two different states, just in second grade alone. Right. And so every time I turned around, new town, new state, new school, new way of doing things, new people... Hi, I'm Philip. Please like me, but not too well, because I'll be gone soon. Right. And my one sense of continuity when I was a kid, no matter where we lived, Clark Gable was there. It was yeah. those old black and white movies on TV. Yeah. They were my sense of of constancy yeah. throughout my childhood. And I, and I, I fell in love with them and, and really relied very heavily on them, because they were the only thing that remained unchanged yeah. from, from place to place from to town place. to town and so from that moment um, because I did I grew up in the 60s and 70s at a time before cable you know so you had right. three, three so channels you had like the late show or whatever you had three channels plus the metro media one yeah. plus that one on PBS right and that's what you had and TV went off at one yeah. in the morning yeah. and then you got a test pattern and so you know I grew up in that wonderful era where um, television was still new enough that they realized, oh my God, if we license these motion picture libraries, we don't have to come up with original content. Yeah. And it's cheaper. Yeah. And so we were force-fed old movies right. and reruns of TV, 50s and 60s TV shows yeah. when I was a kid because that was a lot of what was on TV. So I got to, I got to do all of that. Um, plus my dad was... 43 when I was born, so he brought an earlier time right. of experience into my life. And I feel very fortunate I, that I, I got to sort of uh, awash myself in product and entertainment that, that arrived long before I did. Right. That was like you were from another time almost. Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, what's it like to be out in the elements with the people and the siren? We had a siren today. She goes, you, you said it's our first siren. We usually have four. Like, you seem very unflappable. I am. We kind of got heckled at one point. Yeah, here's the thing. Um, ever since the developer feeding frenzy on Hollywood yeah. uh, that has happened. I mean, walking walking this tour, I was like, I the, don't remember that building. Right. That's new. Right. That's a restaurant. I and, didn't know that. And there's two active construction sites yeah. on my tour yeah. route right now, and there may be a third starting soon. It's crazy. Um, when I started the tour in, at the end of 2010, the area that we walk was a lot skeevier. Yeah. But it was a lot quieter. Yeah. And nobody... And also, I mean, unfortunately, because of the way our economy operates these days, um, 
the homeless population has skyrocketed yeah. since when I started this tour. I would give the tour back in the very, very beginning. And if over the course of the whole two hours, I passed a dozen other people on the streets, it might have been big. Yeah, it was a busy day. And now it's like, you know, it, it's, it's a constant barrage. It's very crowded. Uh, and so I have. I've become unflappable. Um, I stumbled upon a word that I didn't know was going to come out of my mouth, but it wound up actually being very useful. Um, one day, four or five years ago, I was giving the tour, and this fellow came up and tried to hit my tour guests up for money. And without even realizing what was coming out of my mouth, I turned to him and said, I'm sorry, we're just in the middle of a class. And he went, oh, sorry, and you, he backed off. You said that today. He backed off because that's the magic word because education scares the hell out of people. Yeah. And they totally back off. That's so interesting because you early on in our tour, that happened and you said that. And I thought, oh, class tour, it's kind of comparable. And then I felt kind of bad for saying that until no. I realized, actually, this kind of is a two-hour class. It is. A, it is a two-hour class, and you weren't. You weren't a jerk about it. You were. Yeah. You know. No, 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 no. I don't want to be because it's their sidewalk too, and right. it's my sidewalk yeah. too, and we all have to yeah. live, and we should live amongst one another, and uh, and as a result, we do. We have. I have some real characters on that. On that tour, are there people you see every day that are are constants, and we kind of yeah. wave to each other, you know? Yeah. Um, but yes, I am. I am unflappable. I kind of, when I start a tour, I, you know, for for anyone old enough to <laughs> to remember, get smart. I kind of envision a dome of silence over me and my tour right. guests, and we just walk along right. the street. In this, in our own little environment, right? And I don't really let the traffic noise or the sirens or the anything else or the screaming people or anything like that sort of interrupt us. I I just have a job to do, which is to entertain and inform my friends, my new friends, right? And I just go about my business. Who are some of the more colorful guests that you've had? People from overseas, I'm sure. Yeah, I've had from all kinds of countries, and and there again, I mean, it's like you know, again, a. a a thing I'll say of why I think what I do is important. I believe that the entertainment industry and its output from this town is this country's greatest gift to the world. More than our form of government or anything else we've ever done, Hollywood and its output is our greatest gift to the world because everyone knows us. I have yeah. people I have people from Singapore. I have people from Qatar. I have people from Tasmania. And I look at, I look at them and I say, Lucille Ball, and they lose their minds. Because they, right. they know us. Yeah. They all know us. Yeah. And, and, and we've touched all of them. Yeah. And entertainment hits us very deeply, and it stays with us for a lifetime. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, I get colorful people. What I really love, my favorite, is uh, I love it when locals take the tour. Yeah. Because it deals with a strip of street we've driven a million times. Oh, yeah. We just don't know what all went down on it. Exactly. And right. I always tell people the bad news is traffic's not going to get any better. Yeah. But the next time you're stuck in traffic around here after the tour, you'll have other things to think about. Absolutely. And I particularly like it when locals who are in the business come and take it because I feel like 
if you're in the entertainment business, you should know the history of the entertainment business. Otherwise, it's, you know, we already have enough people that are in Washington that don't know American political history. Right. And look what's happening. Exactly. You know, you should know the history of the business that you're involved in so that you can fully understand how it got to where it is today so that you can decide where you'd like to take it into yeah. the future. You talked early on in the tour about this idea of these were risk takers, a lot of the people that came out here. Is there something about that kind of a person that connects to you that you, that, that you re respect? Well, there is something sort of like... Yes, because... Here, I'm here's sort of in awe of them. Here's the thing, particularly if it's risk that is born out of, um, here's my, here's my credo. I love a person with a credo, if first of will. all. I actually, that word just came out of my mouth. I love so it. I don't know if it's my, if it's really my credo or not, but let's say it's my credo. Let's say it's my credo. Let's just say it's my credo. I might even call uh, this podcast, let's just say it's my credo. No, I like your, I like the name <laughs> as it is. We have to, we have to save that. Um, as far as I can tell from 59 years of living on this planet, yeah. when a human being is in the throes of creative inspiration, it's nirvana. When you're in the throes of creative inspiration, when you have this burning creative vision that you have to get up and out of you, there's no illness, there's no money problems, there's no broken hearts there's nothing there's just this excited thing that yes. you're in yes and so particularly that excited thing when you're in the throes of creative inspiration will allow you to be quite a risk taker because you're burning you need to give birth to this idea and right. and again and I don't want to get all like airy fairy artsy fartsy about this and say that it's only those in the arts and entertainment I mean right. Your creativity may be, may be like putting together the most perfect business deal. Right. Or it may be whatever. I mean, whatever... Whatever your passion Whatever is. creatively burns you, you know, rage that fire on. Right. Uh, and, I, and I really feel like if more of us would answer and, and allow ourselves to get a washed up into creative inspiration, yeah. we would all be a lot happier and we would all get along a lot better. Right. Um, you talked about working in wardrobe before. Yeah. Did you, was that a long career you Not did Not creatively before? inspiring. It wasn't. Uh, <laughs> no, because here's the thing. Would you, was it more TV or film? I got or my both? first job. Oh, my God. I'm going to tell you about my first job. I loved first uh, jobs. Which is the worst ever. And why I ever took a second one is beyond me. A friend of mine hired me to work on this. This was 1988. Right. Um work on this thing, and I, I think they actually still show reruns on it, of like on Fox Sports Net 32 right. at 4.30 in the morning. This thing called Roller Games. Oh, wow. Which was a combination of Roller Derby and MTV. Fantastic. And it was, they created six Roller Derby teams based on historic Roller Derby teams like the T-Birds and stuff like that. Right. And there were men's and women's teams. And so there would be like a roller derby match in the first part of the show. Then there'd be a musical break where we'd have a live musical guest that would do a song. And then there'd be a second roller derby match. Wow. And like the, it was 1988. So some of the musical guests were like Lita Ford. Okay. Cool, cool Modi, Warrant. Okay. We literally had to create from scratch six 
logoed roller derby uniforms of teams. And these these uniforms were so involved. There was like some of them were thirty pieces of gauntlets and cummerbunds right. and gloves and 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 uh, pants and tights and. It was you all know, women, right? No, men, men and, and women. women. Wow, men, okay. Men's teams and women's teams. Okay, cool. And, you know, I mean, and we were dealing with for real roller derby people. Yeah. Like, who couldn't spell cummerbund if you right. paid them. Right. Um, it was the worst job I've ever had in my entire life. It sounds kind they, of awesome, they too. Were, they were, particularly once we started shooting, we shot an entire, whatever, 10, 12 episodes. Right. In like nine days straight through, no, no days off, and they were 20 hour days. Oh my God. Uh, in a, a warehouse on Terminal Island, an island aptly named. Terminal Island in. It's, it's down, yeah. It's down by Long Beach. Yeah. San Pedro. Yeah. Yeah. Is why show I, business glamorous? Why I ever took a second wardrobe job yeah. after that, I will never know. And lit- literally, that is the story of my wardrobe 20 years. I. I never did that career with the verve of someone who wanted to make a career out of it. Right. I just did it. I just kept doing it because I kept getting hired. Yeah. And so, like, I never went union. Yeah. I have an entire resume of really bad movies of the week or straight-to-video stuff. Yeah. Uh, I have an entire resume of working with, you know, that old thing of you'll never work in this town again. Yeah. It's a lie. They all work again. It's just, they work on lower budget stuff that no one watches. And I've worked with all of them. <laughs> Who is your favorite? Did you have someone that you got to work with on something that was like, Oh, that was really fun. Uh, actually a few. Um, I did a movie for Showtime, um, that had Jeff Goldblum for us and Forrest Whitaker. And both of them were delightful. Right. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful people. Um, oh, I don't know. Like, Mer- I actually worked with some pretty cool people, too. Yeah. Mayor Winningham was great. Right. Um, uh, uh, I, you know, now, of course, I can't, I can't come up with names. Yeah. I went around the world with Madonna. Stop. Wait. What? Oh, what yeah. was that story? By the way. Uh, BTW. I uh, I worked on the '93 uh, girly show tour. Of course, the and one that she didn't want to bring to LA because the LA audiences are showbiz assholes. Well, listen, it wasn't just LA. We yeah. it was at that time when the whole U.S. was fed up to hear with yeah her. the sex it was book his sex book and the erotica album yeah and so we only did four U.S. dates yeah we did New York, Philly, Detroit, and I can't even remember the fourth. We never played LA. We never, you know, and the rest was all international. And by then, she had been out for like 10 years. So she went to a lot of places that she had never been yet. Yeah. So like we went to South America, which she had never been to. Wow. We went to uh, Australia, which she had never played before. To places like, you know, Tel Aviv and Istanbul and really like amazing, amazing Places that I would never in life get a chance to visit on my own. So yeah. I got to I got to visit the world and get paid for it. Amazing. What were you doing? Working on wardrobe? I was on, in the wardrobe team. How my, many people my on partic- the team of a tour uh, for the wardrobe? My particular... There was a, a guy who dressed her. Right. I dressed Nikki and Donna, the background singers. Damn right you did. There was a girl who dressed the boy dancers and a girl who dressed the girl dancers. Okay. And then our supervisor, who also uh, would set out the band's... Uh, costumes as well uh, and that said I mean like you know if I was all cool with Nikki and Donna 
and Daniel was having problems with Madonna, I'd run over and help, or right. vice versa. If he had her set and I was having trouble getting Nikki and Donna in their next, he'd fly over and help. And you know, we but those were our those were your sort of that's what we were signed. And then, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Donna and Nikki always seem really cool to me. Oh my god, my, they seem delightful, right? Sisters, my crazy sisters. They oh were my great. Gosh. They were great, and they were on like every tour. And right? especially, you know, it's it's very funny. We think if you're not famous in this country, you're not famous. Right. And while we were on the tour, both Donna and Nikki had albums out. Yeah. And when we were, like, I remember both, like, Istanbul and Tokyo, both of their albums were, like, near the top of the charts. Right. So the, as far as those audiences were concerned, they were getting three superstars. That's awesome. They weren't getting a superstar and two background singers. Right. So, yeah, it was, it was pretty awesome. Who directed that tour? Uh, her brother. Oh, that was the Christopher one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Love it. And it was a beautiful, I mean, all prejudice aside that that was the tour I worked on. While I was on that tour, I got to see Bette Midler at Radio City. Yeah. I got to see U2 in Tokyo, and I got to see Michael Jackson in Mexico City. And I can honestly say ours was the best show. Well, with Donna really, Blonde Ambition, she started... Raising the bar for theatricality. It was a beautiful show that yeah. we did. And, it was the and clown I was very theme proud one to, yeah. with Kelly Ananaba. Yeah, exactly. She, we're, from Dancing we're with the Stars. Carrie Ananaba. Carrie Ann started the tour with, she was up little, in the air, yes. bare-breasted. Yes, that, she, that was Coming her. down, yeah. Amazing. Yeah. What's your favorite memory of Madonna? Uh, you know what? I didn't... Here's the thing. I don't have a lot of memories of Madonna. Right. Because I would imagine the th- the three months, no, the two months that we were, what was it? We, we were in rehearsal for three months and on the road for two months, or we were in rehearsal for two months and on the road for three months. Anyway, five months with her. Mm-hmm. I'll bet you she and I exchanged a dozen sentences to one another because I, I, I learned very early on when people are that big and that super status they're very lonely yeah and the only people in their lives that are friends are people they're paying for yeah. a job or another and and it's very easy to become friends with them because it, it's kind of captive audience thing yeah but then if something goes awry you're screwed. Yeah, you, you could be out. And so yeah. my goal was, I want to <laughs> work on this tour, and if she even remembers me at all when it's over, all she'll remember is, oh, that's that. I remember that guy. He he just he really did his job. Yeah, and that's all. That was one, your goal. That was my goal. Yeah. I will tell you though, one thing, one thing that I thought was absolutely delightful because it was a, a side I hadn't seen, uh, and it was charming. We had there was an interstitial dance number that was actually uh, a device for a, a major costume change of course. where like three dancers were left on stage while all the rest of the dancers and her yeah. went off and changed and it was in between the song rain and i forget what happened God, i love rain after that and it was called the rain ballet yeah and she brought in gene kelly to choreograph it Oh my God! So he was on the stage with, and my wardrobe office was on the stage. We were at uh, at that point. We were still at Culver st- Stages, right? Um, he was there for like four. Because it was days. like a singing in the rain kind yeah. of. Yeah, he was there for like four days, 
And so his first day, he, he walked in and, um, you know, introduced. And he, my, he sat up at front and would be, like, from the vantage point of the audience. Right. My work table was on the other side from the vantage point of the backstage, right? So okay. I, I was looking across at him. And she said to him, this was like the, the f- it would be the fourth number. There were three numbers before, I think, right. uh, that happened, three or four. And she said, Mr. Kelly, we, we have everything set up to this point. Would you like us to run what we have for you? And he said, yeah, that would be great. Yeah. So they start a run through of the four numbers, that they, three or four numbers that they have set. And they're doing um, uh, Vogue. And there's mm-hmm. one part... Gene Kelly first. Where, uh, no, there's one part where the dancers are in a double row and they're dancing toward downstage and she has her back to the audience and she's dancing toward the upstage. Right. And as she's got her back to him and she's coming upstage and the dancers are going downstage, she's passing the one dancer, Carlton, and she just mouths to him, I am so nervous. And that's what I remember. Because I've never seen her. The vulnerability. Nervous. Yeah. It was it was delicious. Yeah. That there was someone she, in the world sure. that could make her nervous. I love that. And yeah. you, you must have loved having, being around Gene Kelly. I have actually met slash worked with uh, four people who were in Singing in the Rain. Oh my gosh. That's awesome. I've, that with Gene Kelly. Yeah. Uh, I was, I sort of associate produced, this is how old I am, um, Special feature material for the 50th anniversary DVD of Singing in the Rain. That's so, so cool. I met Debbie Reynolds and worked with her for a day, and yeah. also uh, Sid Charisse. And then years ago, I worked on a pilot with Kathleen Freeman. There you go. The yeah. trifecta. How did you get the gig on the tour? Just somebody that you uh, were working my with? My friend Rob, who was the first yeah. one who ever gave me my first job, that damn yeah. roller games thing. Of course. Um, he hired me for four or five different things over the years, and that was one of them. That's cool. You know, yeah. Did you make friends with the dancers? Because I once auditioned to be a Madonna dancer. Carrie Ann was my favorite. Yeah. She, She's a cool lady. She was so awesome. We would, you know, she'd like, because often, like, I didn't really, I wasn't a big goer-outer at right. night. Yeah. Uh, I also wasn't, um, you know, no matter what city we were in, there would be the the promoters would put together things for us to do, like tours of this and tours of that yeah. and stuff like that. And oddly enough, I wind up a tour guide. I didn't take them up on any of those because yeah. I didn't want to see anything that was shined up and presented for me. You just I wanted to experience. I wanted to strike out on my own alone. Yeah. On a Tuesday morning, and walk into look at what a, a drugstore in Istanbul looked like. Yeah. And felt like. And what it felt like to walk the city streets if I lived there. Yeah. You know, that's what I wanted to do. And that's what I did. That's cool. But, so, like, I didn't go out a lot at night. And neither did Carrie Ann. Right. And she would sometimes come to my room or I'd go to her room. We'd order room service and just watch TV and eat and yak. And I have wonderful memories of her. Oh, that's awesome. That's really nice to hear. Um, When you first started doing your tours, you were a very natural storyteller, from my point of view. Thank you. Did you feel like it came naturally to you? Or was it like, oh, I need to think about this? Yeah, because I believe in the power of storytelling. Yeah. I mean, I think it's the one thing. It's, it's, it's all a movie is or a song is. Yeah. It's a really well-told story. Right. You know, and if I'm going to involve myself in talking about that art form, I better do it from the standpoint of that art form. And I, I really see 
uh, what I do as a two-hour sort of one-man show of storytelling. Yeah, it is. Uh, when you first started, did you have note cards, or how did you sort of no, you just knew I, what you were going to no, say? No, I'll tell you what the hardest thing about it. Yeah. And it took me six months, my first six months. So anyone who took the tour in the first six months, my apologies. The hardest part was choreography. Because people pay good money for this tour, and I feel like it should be a really seamless, easy experience for them. Right. And so it took me a good six months to realize and sort out certain words have to fall at certain points on the sidewalk. For And, like, for instance, like... We'll be we'll be standing or walking somewhere, and I'll be telling you a story about what we're standing in front of. But right. out of the corner of my eye, I'm watching the cycles of the traffic lights so that I can either speed up or slow down my story to end it on a green, so we don't have to wait for a stupid light. Right. You know, I I want it to be seamless, and I want it to. So you've be, got to have an eye on all so, of that stuff. Yeah. So um, that was the hard part: is the choreography. Interesting. The storytelling. No, that uh, I guess I'm a ham from the gate. Yeah. You know. What's uh, your pet peeve? What's my pet peeve? Something that people do. God, so many. <laughs> I'm 59 years old. I'm racking them yes. up faster than I can catalog them. Um, uh, on a daily basis. I hate that phrase. One can simply say daily. Yeah. On a and basis are unnecessary. There you go. It's that faux boardroom yeah. speak that we use that we think makes us st- sound yeah. smarter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah, they. If you watch a lot of cable news, there's a lot of those. At the end of the oh, day, oh uh, yeah, or, or the other one. Yeah, I. As much as I love them all, and they're doing great work. Yeah, I would pay anything that I could to get the the anchors at MSNBC to stop punctuating every sentence with the word right. Yeah. Okay. Because you know what I don't like on those shows. Every... I I don't like when they go from show to show and they say thank you, my friend. Yeah. I like that you like each other, but that, that yeah. friend thing kind yeah. of yeah, yeah, it we bugs. Get it. Yeah, we yeah. get it. We get it. You got yeah. you, can, you can hang out with Rachel yeah. or Lawrence at yeah. any time. You can yeah. go riding on your bikes yeah. with Chris, whatever. You yeah. Know. Thank yeah. you, my friend. Anyway, like I don't. Anyways, right? That's, that's a tangent, right? <laughs> no, I I met pet peeve as, as a tour guide operator. Is there something that oh. Yes, um, do my, or... my pet peeve is that not enough people know about my tour and take my tour. So there was, we're helping you solve your so, pet peeve. We're so helping. let's let's hope that yeah. uh, all you out there in Podland. Yeah, I think I would like to give a tour someday of something. I think I like. I, yeah, I think you'd be excellent. I like to tell stories. I, I'm I comfortable speaking excellent. to people, and I like. I, I my I'm a former cruise ship. Assistant oh, well, cruise director, duh. dancer person. This is what you so, do. Yeah. Then this is what so, you're, you do next. That, so. Yeah. Oh, what and any lo- any of you out there listening, yeah. my next goal, yeah. because I am a gentleman of a certain age, sure, is I want out of L.A. and I want to move to Palm Springs. Okay. And so I need to figure out how how I'll pay the rent there. Yeah. So if you know any storytelling right. abilities out there, let me know. Um, I was just out there this last weekend. They do have a Walk of Fame. You could tell, yeah, and here's, this is Deb, Debbie yeah, Gibson just got a star. That's, that's those, half those are your tour right there. <laughs> those are meaningless. You Did can, you notice I don't talk about the stars? Yes. And I don't talk about the Hollywood sign? Yeah. Because they're meaningless? Yeah, they're just They're stuff. meaningless. They're, 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 yeah. it, people, it, it cracks me up. You know, those, the first set of those stars went in in 1960. And so anyone who died before then, like Valentino or yeah. Clarabo or any of those people, they've never been there. Yeah. It doesn't contain their soul. 
There's not a vial of their blood under there. Yeah. There's not a script of one of their movies. It is a name on a sidewalk. Yeah. That's all it is. It's a meaningless name on a sidewalk. And yet, people fly from around the world to lay down on that filthy sidewalk and have their friends take a picture of them next to a name on a sidewalk when all this real history exists a few feet away that I talk about that no one knows about. Did you read, I think it's Warner Brothers, we're talking about building a tram to the Hollywood sign? Yes, they they are. That's interesting. And you know what? Good for them. They'll make tons of money off of that one. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. All right. Um, you picked some questions from the observation deck. Yes, I, I hope I picked the right yes. ones. No, you can. You, you picked them. What's the most provocative image or inscription you've ever worn on a T-shirt? Uh, uh, gay as fuck. That's a good one. Yeah. Well, I'm. You know, I'm not that provocative. That's right. about as provocative. If, if you're as feeling I got. really edgy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where did you wear it? Just anywhere here and there? Uh, around town. Yeah. One day, you know, doing my errands. And there stuff. you go. Yeah. Do you collect anything? Uh. Yeah, I collect uh, Hollywood history. Right, you told stuff. me something very interesting about this little tea table. It's a little uh, rolling tea cart. Yes, tell, uh, tell our listeners. It's kind of a mid-century modern rolling tea cart that I recently just bought at uh, the yard sale at Zsa, Zsa Gabor's house. When? How long ago was that? Well, they did the auction, right? Which was apparently a screaming success. Yeah. And all the stuff that Heritage Auctions declined, the Prince then held yard sales two weekends. And the Prince in a row. was like her love interest, right? He was her husband, right? Okay. Um, the 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 Prince, right? He's not a real Prince, right? Um, I knew there was some, yeah, sus- suspect. And he was a couple of decades younger than her as well. Yeah. Um. Uh, so when you go to the yard sale, what's it like? <laughs> Well, you know, I went with my friend Donna, and she, I, we were driving up there, and she said, you know, I've been to these celebrity yard sales before, and, I, and there's a company that does them, and we'll get there, and there'll be these folding tables, and they'll be sitting there with credit card machines and inventory lists and prices and stuff like that. Well, we get up there, it's the prince, some young flirtatious man, and this uh, caregiver that had been with them for... I remember seeing paparazzi pictures of that woman wheeling her in a wheelchair yeah. into doctor's offices in Beverly Hills like 12 years ago. Wow. It was the three of them handling this yard sale. So it was not and we went, up, to we went up there the first firm. weekend and the prince was out of his mind. I yeah. mean, everything was like, you would pick up a 1978 People magazine that she would be on the cover of, $100. Everything was like $100 or $400 or $800. So I bought nothing. Went back the second weekend. Yeah, when he's like, we got to get rid of this shit. And there wasn't a whole lot that was gone. Yeah. And I saw this tea cart. And I also saw and read to our listeners what what this handmade uh, embroidered pillow that apparently Zsa Zsa did says. Zsa Zsa embroidered this pillow. That's what I'm told. Before you meet your real prince... You have to kiss a lot of frogs. So that that pillow and this tea cart, I grabbed and I said to him, how much for the pillow? And he said, $20. And I said, how much for that cart? $20. Everything's $20. I said, all right, I'll take a boat. I love that. And he had seen the error of his ways, apparently. So I got a, a fabulous... T-cart. Uh, T-cart that was... Maybe we'll take a picture Zsa of Zsa's. it. Yeah. Yeah. And the, yeah. Oh, and you have that Sunset Bowling Center's thing, too. 
Yes. We can talk about that later. We'll talk about that later. But I love... I used to go to Hollywood Star Lanes. Do you remember that on Melrose? Oh, God. I No, it was on Santa Monica. Santa Monica. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I missed that desperately. I loved, I loved the Hollywood it Star too. Lanes. I loved it, too. I know. A bunch of us I know, used I to know. go there. Yeah. Yeah. I have a, I once went bowling there with Charlize Theron for Movie Line Magazine. Oh, my God. I won one game. She won one game. And now it's an elementary school. I know. And you want to know what it was way, way back? What? In the silent era yeah. in 1922. Yeah. On that site was the sanitarium where silent screen star uh, Wallace Reed died from drug addiction. Holy shit. On a cot, sweating. Yeah. Not fun. Not fun. Now, are you, do you follow the LA Conservancy and what they're up to with the, the historical degree, buildings? Because yeah. I've gone yeah. to some of their yeah, last remaining seat yeah. series downtown yeah. and stuff the, like that. Them and also Hollywood Heritage. Yeah. Yeah. But you talked a number of times on the tour where... You'll talk about these developers that promise that they'll keep things kind of intact, and then in the middle of the night, they bulldoze them. You know what? This is a very new town. Yeah. And it's full of new money, and unfortunately, seemingly, and I don't care what kind of trouble I get in for saying this, uh, it's it's all about money. The developers have it, the politicians want it, and they climb in their back pocket and let them get away with whatever they want. Right. Uh, And so we have lost so much incredible history yeah in this city there is a weak voice for preservation and i think it is starting to get stronger and stronger to the point where actually in the last few years we've actually saved some things but uh we've lost more than we've saved yeah and i just hope it continues to get stronger yeah um back to the questions you picked have you ever stolen anything oh my god when i was 14 i shoplifted from a zares uh, there was a, a store. It was sort of like a Target. It was called right. Zare uh, in um, Camp Springs, Maryland. What did you take? This shirt. And here's the reason. I, it was a two-story Zare. Right. And I had this shirt, and I had the money. And I walked up, and there's like, you know, 14 registers. One is staffed, and there's a line to the back of the store. Right. So I get in the elevator. I go upstairs one is staffed. There's a line to the back of the yeah. store. So coming back down in the elevator, I tucked the shirt up under my shirt and into the front of my pants. Yeah. And I was walking out and they caught me. They caught you. Yeah. So they didn't have enough staff to open another register, but no, they had, they but they had, had enough, enough staff, for staff security. to bust your ass. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. I was mortified. I can imagine. And it wasn't even a cute shirt. Did you get in trouble? Any? Oh my God. My parents had to come and get me. Yeah. It's All right. Okay. What's the worst costume or uniform you've had to wear for work? Uh, my first job out of high school is I worked for Hertz Rent-A-Car. Okay. And it was a The OJ years? Uh, pretty much, yeah. It was yeah. 77. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, it was a whole lot of polyester. Like gold polyester. Stuff going on. Yeah. No, it was, I think it was oh. navy were the okay. pants. And white was the shirt. And then there was a tie thing. Okay. And the tie, of course, was like this wide. And, yeah. Yeah. It was it's fun times. It was horrible. What's the worst job you ever had? Uh, actually, we were talking about it earlier. The roller thing? No. I taught modeling at a John Casablanca's modeling school in Tyson's Corner Mall in Tyson's Corner, Virginia. That's amazing. For, for which I will never, ever, ever be able to apologize enough for. To all those pimply-faced boys and girls who thought they were going to be huge fashion models that paid hundreds and hundreds of dollars to take... The Casablanca's modeling classes. And what would you teach them? How to pose? How to all that stuff? Yeah, find their light. Yeah, yeah, and and prep them for you know photo shoots and 
This is it. how it works. Oh. Go sees. Yeah, yeah. It was it was horrifying. How long did you do that for? I think it was like a year. Yeah. Yeah. Did you groom any superstars? No, I don't think no? so. Nobody made it onto the cover of Vogue? I, I'm guessing not. Oh, wow. All right. What was on your lunchbox as a kid, and how did you feel oh, about it? Oh, man, I was furious. Why were you furious? Because I only ever got one lunchbox <laughs> that was obviously a TV show right. lunchbox, because yes. they all were when That's I was That's what you a kid, wanted. Right? But, are you ready? Yeah. Gomer Pyle. Oh, I That's was not glamorous furious. at all. That no, was not even remotely no. glamorous. Gomer Pyle lunchbox. I got, Did you yeah. rock it at school? I, it would keep you from getting, you know, it wouldn't trip the sissy. Well, fortunately, meter. here's the thing. Fortunately, I'm lucky enough that for most of my childhood, my mother worked because she would lose her mind if she tried to stay home and play housewife. Right. And I got that lunchbox during one of those brief periods. Yeah. Where, well, once she finally started back to work again, I got to buy lunch at school. I didn't have to yeah. bring lunch in a lunchbox. Gomer lunch got box. to so, stay in a cupboard. Gomer, yeah, Gomer got retired. Right, all right. Good. Of course, now I'd love to have the damn thing. Yeah, you of know. course, it's worth a fortune. Same yeah. with me and my Partridge Family lunchbox. Oh, you had a Partridge Family? Yeah. I hate you. I know. I keep, David! Sometimes you see them around like at uh, Amoeba. They'll have one, but they're like $100. Okay, who was your biggest celebrity crush when you were a teenager? Um... Well, I was actually a little pre-teenager, sure, I think. Uh, my first crush as a ch- tiny, tiny child was Bugs Bunny. Okay. Then my second was uh, uh, Samantha Stevens on Bewitched. Interesting. And, which Glamorous. I only later realized I, I had a crush not because I wanted to have her, but because I wanted to be her. Yeah. And then my first sort of... Crush, crush was uh, Peter Tork of the monkeys. Of the monkeys, I noticed you have some monkeys things right yeah, here. Yeah, you look Peter Tork with the the bowl haircut. Yeah, why of the monkeys? I always well, thought Mickey was cute too. I, I and I do too. I think all of them are now. I yeah. Mean, um, I Peter Tork had a kind of goofy charm. Peter Tork was the Ringo star of the monkeys. He yeah. was the nerd. Yeah. Uh, and I'm, I'm a, I'm You're a sucker fool. for the nerd. I'm a fool for a nerd. There you go. I'm Let Marsha Brady have Davy Jones. I'm a fool for a nerd and I'm a fool for I once dated someone for two months that I didn't even really like, but he played jazz piano. And that was cool. And I mean, yeah. you know, you just sit down and let them play piano. I know. It's like, look at La La Land. What look at Sebastian yeah. and La La Land. Yeah, exactly. Okay. What was the first album, cassette, CD, or MP3 you ever bought? Uh, well... There's a, there's there's a terminology missing from your card that is, very, that, is, that is very that is very age uh, yeah eight tracks are in there no the first forty five record oh I love forty fives the first forty five single yeah. I ever bought living in Duluth Minnesota took the bus downtown by myself yeah. at ten and bought uh, Frida Payne's Band of Gold oh now that you're gone yeah that's the one what was the B side I don't remember that's okay. I used to go. Because I never played the B side. I, I know. I used to go to Snyder's Music Center in Holbrook, Arizona, mm-hmm. and look at the Billboard charts, and they would carry like the top ten, top twenty, right? Five. And Vera Adair was the clerk, and we kind of had like a professional a relationship yeah. where I would be like, "Well, I'm going to order you that Chrissy McNichol and Jimmy McNichol song because it's only it's at ninety eight, and you're probably not, you know, like." So I would order things special, and we right. talk about the charts. Of course, it was sort of like, like you do, like you do, like we would just kind of shoot the shit, and I yeah. would get my forty five. See, that's that's my best. point. That's my point. I think probably most of us who grew up in this country have some sort of a a, a wacky story like that, and it's why all this entertainment stuff 
and the history of it means so much to us. Yes. And that's why I do what I do. Because you used to talk about the, the charts, the billboard charts. Yeah. With the girl who worked in the record store. Yeah. You know, and, and as soon as, I, right after uh, Band of Gold, I went right back and I bought um, uh, Jackson 5. Yeah. I bought I'll Be There. Sure. And ABC. Of course. Played them till the grooves fell off. I know. Yeah. I love it. I had a, I have a jukebox now, but it doesn't. It lights up, but it doesn't play. Uh, we got to get but that fixed. I got to get it fixed. Yeah. I know it's been a long time, but I bought that in like the, the late eighties because I loved it so much. What was the first concert you went to? Rod Stewart at the Capitol Center in Largo, Maryland, when I was fifteen, and the opening act was a little-known group called Blue Oyster Cult. Wow. Did you dig it? Were you a fan? Totally dug it. First time I ever smoked pot because my brother handed the joint to me. Right on. My big brother. There you go. Um, And so, yeah, it was a a night of firsts. It was my first concert, my first joint. What's a voicemail that was left for you that you played more than once? Okay, it goes back to, uh, this, this, this ties in with your lunchbox. I know. I was the costume supervisor on the mercifully short-lived Ben Stiller TV show. The, the sketch comedy yes. show. Yes. They did some really great shows on that. Yeah, they were very clever. Um, yeah. Um, and one time, one of our guests, who I had been phoning all day to get their sizes because they were working the next day. Right. And I needed sizes. And so finally I got a hold of his wife and she was like, you know, I don't even want to try because I may get him wrong. Yeah. And I was like, well, he's uh, here's my home number. He has got to call me. Right. Tonight. Or his clothes ain't going to fit. I get home, and there is a message on my machine. Hi, Philip. David Cassidy here. Damn right it is. Hey! I saved that forever. I know. I called him back, and in all my years of wardrobe, there were two people that... I, I did not always have this tummy. Right. There were two people that I ever worked with that were the exact same from head hat to shoe size as me. Right. One was David Cassidy and the other was David Bowie. Oh, wow. So, so you could, you back could try when and... I had the 28 inch waist right. of this body, that was the size of David Cassidy and David Bowie. Did you, did you try in their clothes after they wore them? Of course I did. Of course you did. Duh. What was David Cassidy doing on the Ben Stiller show? I can't remember now. I it love was it. One of the was sketches. he nice? Yeah, he was nice. He's he, cool. He, um, I, I yeah, know all the, the talking the... parts to the Partridge Family songs. Yeah. I know the talking part to uh, Doesn't Somebody Want to Be Wanted. You know? Yeah, I get it. I'm no different than anybody else. And I don't have to do it's the whole it's thing. It's no. Yeah, you know what not. I'm talking yeah, about. I, the monologue. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. What did you work with Bowie on? Uh, a very short one minute long video that he and Iman were in for um, every year. Uh, AIDS Project Los Angeles used to do this event where they honored a fashion designer and they had a singing star. Yes. And this was one of the years of that. Okay. Where she had been a part of it, I guess, since the inception. Right. But they were going to be off getting married. Yeah. And so they produced this one minute video that would be a cold open for the event. And I I somehow grew up and missed the Bowie of it all. Here's, he was not you really on know my something? radar. You know, you want to know something? He was. I am of the age, but 
and I liked him. I mean, I thought he was, you know, a genius and all that. But I was never really crazy, crazy, crazy about him right. until the day I worked f- with him. Yeah. I was. She had arrived first. She was up in on the second floor of the stage getting hair and makeup done. Yeah. I'm sitting on the floor, cross-legged Indian style, like sewing a button on something. Right. And in he walks, and I glance up, and I just did this double take. Yeah. The presence in person right. was so overwhelming, and he was such a delight that that day I... Oh, you want to hear a really great story? Yes. Okay. We're get, he was directing the little video as well. Right. And so they were upstairs then later getting their hair and makeup done, and obviously he finished long before she did. And... He said, I'm going to go down. There's a scene that you're not in that I'm going to go ahead and grab while you're finishing up. Right. And so the guy who, my friend Rob, who hired me to do this, said, I'll tell you what, I'll stay up here with her. You go down and hover him. And I said, okay. So I went down to the set with him. He's getting everything all set up. The lights are right and everything. And all of a sudden he goes, oh, damn, I forgot to put in my earring before I left the house. And at the time I wore these little gold loops in one in each ear. Right. And I said, well, these are really cheap, but if you want to use one of these, and he was like, do you mind? Do you mind? And with that, I took the you earring ripped it out of, your out lobe. of my ear and I put it in David Bowie's ear. Oh, you inserted it. And we did the shoot and he left that day and we both forgot about it. So David Bowie stole my earring. David Bowie stole my earring. That's an amazing story. Oh, wow. That's really cool. Do you mind? Do you mind? I love that. That's yeah. cool. That he would, he wanted to wear that earring and he wanted to, you know, I love yeah. it. Who was your most impactful teacher? Charlie Waddell. What was he like? Charlie Waddell was the chorus teacher at Surrattsville Senior High School, Clinton, Maryland. Uh, Surrattsville, a, a school named after the first woman hanged in the United States. Oh, wow. Uh, Mary Surratt for being part of the Lincoln assassination conspiracy. Um, Charlie Waddell was a gay man, and uh, he was my first adult gay role model. Yeah. That sort of showed me, as I was sort of coming on to the fact that I thought I might be one. Right. You know. But he wasn't out. It was just sort of an understood thing. No, it was an understood thing. In fact, we had this this sort of fight one day, because I was his student... Uh, aid during oh, his planning awesome. period. Yeah. Uh, so we spent an hour alone every day together. Yeah. And he like ripped me a new ass one day because I said something about gay and he said, you know, I know you think I'm gay and I may be and I may not be. But the bottom line is, is while I'm a teacher at this school and you're a student, it's none of your goddamn business. Right. Because I have a job to protect. Yeah. And with and so I never brought it up again. Graduation day happens. We have the whole graduation ceremony. We come out afterwards. We're standing on the lawn, and he comes up and he says, uh, "What are you doing tonight?" And I said, "Well, I'm going to this party that so and so's." And he said, "Okay." He said, "If you have time, why don't you come up into the city and stop by the house and let your old mother buy you a drink?" Aww. And suddenly, I was out of high school. Yeah, we, we could talk about. It. I love that. And you did. And we did. And he That's was wonderful. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. When was the last time you heard from him? He died of AIDS uh, oh, shit. when I was oh, probably 
eight years out of nine years out of high school, something like that. Wow. Yeah. I'm sorry. All right. A few more questions. What's something your family did that you didn't realize was unconventional until you were grown up? Well, pretty much the whole structure yeah. of the family. My father was 17 years older than my mother. Okay. Uh, they met when she was 21 and he was 38. They were both married to other people at the time. Mm, they, they were intrigue. both. They were both in failing marriages. Right. Uh, they both, they fell in love on sight. They both left their marriages and shacked for two years while they were awaiting their divorces to become final. Wow. Which you didn't do between 54 and 56. Yeah. And then they, they married and, and she was his third wife and she, he was her second husband. Do you have so siblings? The, I had uh, my brother Mike, who yeah. was actually my half-brother because it was her. Yeah son from the first marriage but my dad legally adopted him sure. so by law my full brother by right. law of nature my half brother right um and so the whole setup was kind of a little kind unconventional of, yeah uh yeah. not the father's knows best kind yeah of setup. yeah no yeah all right what movie have you seen more than any other uh who's afraid of virginia wolf because it's like home movies because <laughs> <laughs> sadly their marriage kind of was like George and Martha. Oh my God. Yeah. That's an intense movie to watch yeah. over and over and over again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember the first time I saw it, I was an adult uh, and I was just like, holy shit. Yeah. That says a lot. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Who's the most famous or memorable person you've been in an elevator with? Uh, <gasps> Really? I did the gay gasp right then. Baruj I want to go back and watch White Nights and watch him do that dance again with Gregory Hines. Baryshnikov on the Madonna tour in a hotel in Rio. Amazing. Yeah. That's an amazing... All of, every part of that sentence I yeah. like. Yeah. Next he question. He seemed cool, right? Oh, yeah. He was lovely. I love it. We smiled at each other and, and, you know, nodded and I knew who he was. He had no idea who I yeah. was. And there we were. Do you remember having a favorite part of that tour or a favorite number? Meaning you're like, oh, I like to try to listen to this or watch this or... Uh, yeah, because there's a, uh, it, it would be Vogue mm -hmm. because it starts out with this, it started out with this percussion mm -hmm. piece that was sort of Asian in flavor right. that had nothing to do with the song and it went for probably three quarters of a minute. Until finally you got that synth pad of D. Yeah. And every time that would happen, the audience would lose their minds. Right. And that was, I mean, because especially spending all that time in rehearsal without yeah. audience, yeah. you're so flummoxed the first time you hear the roar yeah. of the crowd Incredible. that it just, it takes you by storm. And, you know, you know, I, I remember also there was a thing that she used to do, um, uh, during, um, toward the end of the show, when they were in the long great coats, um, she, it was a device for her and the dancers to catch their breaths. Right. Which is, was really what it was. Yeah. It would be a stop where she would call out two, two or three members of the crew from backstage to come out to answer charges of some real or made up infraction. And then she'd make them get down and do 20 push ups, And then she'd send them back. Having right. them thoroughly chastised. Right. right. So I knew my time it was, was sort coming. Sort of like a bit. Right. My time was coming. My time was coming. Oh my and God. We were in either Fukuoka or Tokyo toward the end of it all. And Tokyo, we were in the Tokyo dome, which is like, I don't know. 75,000 people or something like that. Right. 
Philip Mershon. I'm one of the ones called. So I go out and she, you know, rallies Here's these infractions yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and she says, drop and give me 20. And so I drop and give her 20 and she's, she says, now stand up, stand at attention, stand at attention. And she looks at me and pulls the mic away because she, she sees me like looking out at the audience and she goes, kind of cool out here, isn't it? And I just went, yeah, it really is. She said, all right, back to your, back to your, <laughs> and off I went. I love that little moment. Yeah. Like she could still appreciate the magnitude of yeah. it. Yeah. 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 And so that's cool. That's awesome. Yeah. I love that. All right. This is the last question you picked. Oh. What song makes you cry? Uh, Glenn Miller's Moonlight Serenade. Oh my gosh. The theme, Glenn Miller's yeah. theme song. Yeah. Uh, cause of my dad. Yeah. My dad was a huge Glenn Miller fan. Right. And to this day. They're, they did, Jimmy Stewart made the Glenn Miller story for Universal in 56 yeah. or whatever. To this day, if I put that movie on, I start crying in the opening credits. Wow. And I don't stop until the end credits. Were you close to your dad? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Not so much my mom, but yeah. my dad, yeah. When I was working on cruise ships, we had a big band night where we would dance with the passengers. Uh-huh. And it was in the mood, and it was Pennsylvania yeah. 65,000. Yeah, yeah, all, all that stuff. But Moonlight Serenade was sort of the... About the slower one, and you slow dance. With, yeah, yeah. With the now here's lady. the thing: on my tour once, yeah. I had a guy. Well, I didn't have the guy because he was passed away, but I had the son and grandchildren of a guy called Jerry Gray, yeah. who had his own band, uh, but he was the arranger and composer with the Miller Orchestra. Oh, that's exciting. So, like, he wrote String of Pearls. Oh, wow. And all that, all those songs that you were talking about. Yeah. We think of Glenn Miller as being the band leader, being the arranger. No. It was Jerry Gray that wrote all those arrangements. Right. Ben Miller was and just I, the guy I, with the baton. I had ben his Miller. son. Oh, that's so cool. I've had uh, Dorothy Dandridge's nieces. I've had Lawrence Welk's daughter and granddaughters. Uh, my uh, mother used to love Lawrence Welk. Yeah. And I realized recently that I like to watch Dancing with the Stars for the same reason, reason. that my mother liked to watch Lawrence Well, because it's sort of like colorful and innocent and musical and, and like it's sort of like this Yeah, it's, it's a candy coated world. Yeah, it's so, it's wholesome. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm like I. This is my plus, Lawrence and well. then if you look at it at all with a sort of a jaundiced eye, yeah. which if, I mean, who amongst us doesn't have that? Um, it's performance art. Yeah. You know, it's like, you'll swear you took a hit of acid. Some of those numbers... On Dancing with the Stars? No, no, no. Oh, on Lawrence Well. Yeah, I need to kind of go back and take a look yeah, at it. Yeah, just look up clips on YouTube. Yeah. It's like, you will not believe what it yeah. is you're seeing. I know. Yeah. With the bubbles. Oh, yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. All right, how can people learn more about your tour and your well, blog and your stuff? Well, the blog is dead. Uh, Fuck but, the blog, it's dead. Uh, it's still out there. I yeah. just haven't posted anything in twenty since 2013. That's all right. Uh you will go to uh, Philip Mershon's Felix in Hollywood uh, Tours Facebook page and you will hit like. Okay. Uh, and please look at photos. Yeah. Uh, you don't even have to like them. Where do but, you find them? Do you just find them on the web? And... Uh, I, have, I, have, I have taught and coaxed the internet to give up her gifts to Good. Me. You've got it going on. Um, and then you'll simply type in FelixinHollywoodTours.com. Yeah. And you will find... A whole website about my tour. Yeah. You'll go to the About the Tour page, 
uh, where you can learn the schedule and when they yeah. happen and where to park when you get there and how to buy a ticket and all kinds of groovy stuff. Yeah. And I can't wait to meet each and every one of you. Yeah, it's really worth doing whether you're visiting L.A. or if you've lived here for a long time. I learned so many things I never knew about this area that I drive through all the time. And your uh, enthusiasm and your um, your passion for it comes through and it makes Good. it part of the fun. Um, final question. Why do you love it? Um, because it's honorable. What those people did is, I mean, they endeavored to entertain us. Whether it was by standing in a studio and singing a song or standing on a soundstage and being told action and cut or sitting in a radio station going and... After the hour, we're going to play so-and-so's hit yeah, or whatever. They endeavored to entertain us. They took on the biggest task, the greatest task, the most honorable task in the world, and they deserve to be remembered. I love it. All right. It was a pleasure talking to you. Thank, Thank you. you so much for taking me on that tour. I really Absolutely. had a great time. All right. Go, go on the tour. Check it out. Bye. Thanks again to Philip Marchand for the wonderful tour and for doing the podcast. And did you hear my brain almost crack open when he said he was on the Girly Show tour in the wardrobe department with Madonna and the kids? I, I'm sure I was like, oh my God, I didn't even know. And here we are. We can talk all about it. So um, that was really fun. Fun interview and a fun tour. All right. So this happened. It was Outfest opening night recently, and I got to go to that with some friends. It was a uh, Studio 54 documentary, all about Studio 54 and... Um, I really liked the movie, but what was the most kind of interesting thing about it for me was the the friendship between uh, Steve Rubell and Ian Schrager, the guys behind Studio 54, and how young they were when it happened, and also this sort of odd couple love that they had uh, between a gay guy and a straight guy, and, and Steven Rubell comes off so much better in this movie than he did in the Mike Myers uh, portrayal in the movie 54. He seemed really creepy in that, but... Um, I don't know. It was it was about those two guys, which I thought was interesting. And then it turned out Ian Schrager ended up getting a pardon from President Obama um, for his crimes back in the 54 days. So it'll probably be coming out or streaming or something. So watch for it. It's really worth seeing. I also saw this documentary Believer on HBO. Um, it was about Dan Reynolds, who's the lead singer of Imagine Dragons. He was... A devout Mormon, is a devout Mormon, um, went on a mission, did all of that, is straight and got married and all of that. But he's very um, he's very upset and, and concerned about the rash of GLBT suicides in gay teens in Utah. Uh, there's been, since Prop 8, there's been an incredible increase in this. So he's trying to start a dialogue about that. He's trying to make a difference. He's trying to open some people's eyes while staying, you know, true to his faith. And, um, he's not, you know, he's not quitting the church or anything like that. Um, as someone who was, uh, who ended up leaving the church cause they, they didn't like my gayness. Um, I found it very interesting. And also there's all of these boom shots of Salt Lake city, uh, boom, um, drone shots of Salt Lake city. And it looks really beautiful, but it also looks kind of like the place in hunger games. Is it Pan Am? That's a little bit surreal and really beautiful, but also a little creepy and it feels a little oppressive. Um, but gorgeous. I mean, I don't know. So for the, the drone shots alone are worth the price of admission, but I found it very interesting and moving and wow. Yeah. I did not know 
that they, the suicide rate had risen so much in Mormon youth in Utah. But um, I'm glad somebody's doing something about it. All right. That's all for this week. Thank you so much for listening. The next time you hear from me, the You Don't Know My Life um, capital raising campaign pre-order our game situation is going to be up and running. And, of course, you're going to hear all about it. So join me next time on Dennis Anyone. Bye. Bye.